there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double-shot K-Cup with my guest, Tom Sheridan. So Tom, could you help us to see sort of the the weeds in these different campaigns and you can pick either the Corporation for National Service or the work that you're doing with the Global Fragility Act and help our young listeners understand just how many moving pieces there are when you're building campaigns like this. And as someone who spent about eight years in your world, but who learned much of it on the job from some incredibly talented and knowledgeable colleagues that I had. What I came to realize is that building a strong advocacy campaign is almost like playing three-dimensional chess. There are so many layers to it. I don't know if that resonates with you, but maybe you would kind of take things from here. Completely true. This is oversimplified, but I think it'll help with your uh, listeners. We call our theory of change the three Ps, that any good movement or campaign has to have these three essential components and how you work them together is where and how you become successful. So the first P is what we call policy. This is actually understanding the problem and having deep knowledge of it and a solution that you know can work. So that there's data to support it. There's been demonstration programs that prove that your theory of change could actually be helpful. And it has to be both. It has to be both a problem and a solution because policy doesn't, it doesn't, it's not an articulate, it's not a, a form for articulating problems because it, it doesn't do anything. It's the solution that becomes the policy. And so, but you have to have both and you have to work hard to make sure that those are well-founded, well-understood and highly credible. The second P is politics. This is how those become law. It's how, you know, markups happen. It's how votes get traded. It's how, you know, amendments get added. It, it is how the politics of the, the day works. It's the rough and tumble of how you get policy to actually see its way through to a piece of legislation and a signature by a president. And politics for me in, uh, and for not-for-profit folks is people. It's, it's how do you organize people, passionate people who put this issue in the forefront of the way they behave as voters and talk to their members of Congress about why this issue is a priority and why they want it solved. So that's the second P, politics. The third P I call press, which is really the validation of the community writ large, the ability for people to read about, hear about, see that this problem is in fact real in their community, in their city, in their state, in their world, and that there are solutions that are valid to fix it. So it's kind of third party validation in a, in a big sense. And it's, you know, it's how social media covers it or handles it. It's how editorial boards will write on it. It's how letters to the editor are frequently populating a local newspaper that we we know members of Congress read. They read their letters to the editor. That's what their constituents are thinking. They want to have their fingers on that pulse. So we use those three Ps, policy, politics, and press, in every single strategy we put together. Then it's the combination. 
It's a little bit like a Ouija board. You're kind of moving those three P's on the board. As you said, it was a great analogy. You're using those three P's in a three-dimensional chess game. It's never static. It's always dynamic. And no two campaigns are ever the same. But these elements are essential to being successful. Yes. So could you pull out maybe a tactic that you've employed in one or the other of the campaigns that you outlined for us that falls under one of those three P's. And just tease out, I mean, you did mention you had a Hill Lobby Day recently in which you brought in people, real people, um, the districts of members and brought them to Capitol Hill. Yeah, so lobby days and fly-ins are great. I'm a big believer in doing congressional district events, trying to bring members of Congress to programs and services so they can see in real time what the benefit or successes of those programs actually look like on the ground. Once people see something in action, once they see real human suffering believed in some way, it really does change the way you have a conversation about support or not. Having a flat conversation about billions of dollars or millions of people about a, you know, a, a piece of legislation with an S or an HR on it, it, it flattens the humanity around social issues particularly. So I try and always keep a three-dimensional figure in front of members of Congress as much as we possibly can. And sometimes that's people power, just bringing them to people or bringing people here to Washington to see them and to tell their stories. Storytelling is huge hugely important, very powerful. When that's been harder to do, We've, you know, we've engaged tactics that, that will just get people's attention. I was working on family medical leave many years ago, and we were having a hard time getting people's attention about the fact that kids were really the vulnerable population. So we got like cardboard cutouts of photographs of children, random children, and we put them in front of every single member's office at seven o'clock in the morning so that when they showed up to open their office doors, they had to step over a, you know, a, a picture of a kid and it had a message on it that said, you know, this kid's life is vulnerable if you don't pass the Family Medical Leave Act. Like we, you know, um, on the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, we were having a hard time getting people to understand why people with disabilities required civil rights protection. So we called a press conference on the Capitol steps and all of the folks that we got organized to get there in wheelchairs with walkers and crutches and everything else dropped their assisted devices, their wheelchair, their crutch, et cetera. And they crawled up the steps of the Capitol building to show that not everyone has even access to a building, the building that is their capital because they're, they're a person with a disability. And it was very dramatic. And the press kind of, you know, because it was so dramatic, they ate it up. But it got our point across. It was, you know, an iconic moment and again it wound up being a fairly iconic photograph for why the ADA was you know was the next most important chapter in our civil rights history. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7 no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.